woman. Don't disgrace me, erase me, or try to replace me. You see, I was crafted in my mother's womb, not a tomb or a surgical room, but within the safe and miraculous walls of my mother's nurturing womb. You try to fabricate, impersonate, replicate, denigrate, and eliminate what a woman is. Give your head a shake. You're a fake. Faux woman, bro woman, they, them, and zir, zir woman. God the creator, he is the maker, the final authority. To him be the glory. He designed you. He breathed life into you. Before life began, he had you and I in his perfect plan. A word to the men. The enemy's agenda is to emasculate, castrate, neuter, and effeminate. But you were made to be strong and courageous. Set aside the lies of the enemy, the gender non-conforming identity. God created you special as the provider, the supporter, the protector, the warrior. We need you desperately to stand up and be counted unquestionably. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Well, we're starting off the evening a little, oh, there we go, a little different tonight. Our friend Heather is having technical problems, so we're going to really miss her tonight, but we did have her uh, pre-recorded orientation. And as always, to anybody who is new, welcome. Thank you for being with us tonight. We hope you enjoyed the orientation. That is very specific from 4.45 to 5 o'clock PST for people in Canada who are just waking up to the craziness. And so we just, in a nutshell, 15 minutes worth, want to let you know all the good work that Action for Canada has been doing on behalf of Canadians for many, many years. And so um, if you're new today, welcome. I'm super excited to uh, get started and, and get uh, busy with our guests on the show, but first I want to just do our weekly update. Uh, welcome to everybody that's joined us on Facebook as well. And if you want to join us to be part of a short Q&A at the end, the show's going to be a little shorter tonight because our guests will need to leave a little bit early. And so we will try to get a few questions in there. But if you're on Facebook, you'll need to join us on the actual webinar. Okay, Terenzio is okay. I'm going to share my screen. There we are. As always, I want to start with uh, the map of Canada with all those beautiful dots on there and those maple leaves which represent Action for Canada chapters. Uh, we're growing and we're very excited about that. There is power and numbers. And I'm just so very proud of all of our members and our chapter leaders across Canada. We are really pushing back against... Uh, you know, the, the cabal, and we're gaining back ground that the enemy has stolen, and especially on the front with this uh, fight for our kids. Uh, regarding SOGI 123, the government, the unions, the media, the ARC Foundation, and uh, the Canadian Federation of uh, Public uh, Libraries, as well as the BC Association of Libraries, are all responding to Action for Canada's notice of liability, and that's because of the work you're all doing. 
So I just, I just need you to really embrace that tonight. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you. All right. So for anybody that's new, this is our homepage. If you're wondering if somebody sent you the link tonight, you can come to our homepage and access the weekly empower hours, the invitations and whatever is uh, important and relevant information, as well as our most popular pages and current issues that Action for Canada is dealing with. So on to tonight, this is a call to action. If you pop down to weekly emails, you will be able to access all of the incredible reports that we put out on a weekly basis, and it always corresponds with our upcoming guest. Uh, tonight, of course, we have Barry Newfeld back on to give us, uh, and his lawyer, Paul Jaffe, to give us an update on what's going on in the court last week and what we can possibly anticipate moving forward. In order to support Barry, we created this image. We have a wonderful guy, Hans. Uh, this is sort of a, 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 a little bit of a, a look at what happened in the court that day. There was Barry with his incredible lawyer, Paul. And on the other side is, uh, it wasn't Glenn Hansman in the court that day. I believe it was a re representative of the current BCTF with their lawyer. And then up on the wall, there were about 12 individuals who were interveners. And they're individuals that have something to lose, something that how this case will affect them if the court rightfully rules in favor of Barry Newfeld. This is about a defamation case. This is a case that should be based on that. But the trans and LGBTQ community um, are heavily funded. And there's a lot of activity in the school systems where our kids are being intentionally sexualized at a very young age and it needs to stop. So Barry was not allowed any interveners, and that just shows you the balance in the case. To me, Barry, Barry and Paul are national heroes here, and I just want to highlight them because this is a critical case, not only for the freedom of speech, but also in protection of our children. I show a little bit in our action about who the big players are in, in behind this, United Nations, UNICEF, UNESCO. Some of you are saying, oh my goodness, I give to UNICEF. Uh, well, I would recommend that you research it and possibly stop your funding because you're funding the tyranny and uh, the radical ideologies that are entering our school system, especially by the International Planned Parenthood Federation, uh, who are attacking children and parental rights. And there's always an invitation on the page. I did a video recently on the mutilization and sterilization of the next generation. It walks you through the materials, the books, etc. Again, if you're new, I would really recommend you watch that video. Get yourself educated. Uh, this was something that we included. We're actually investigating this. Somebody said that this was Photoshopped. The sad part about it is, if it was sh Photoshopped or if it wasn't, in today's society, it's believable. With all the drag queens being permitted access to our children, this is actually something that was uh, believable when we saw this report. And so uh, somebody had said that it was photoshopped. We're looking into it. Action for Canada endeavors to provide the most relevant information and the factual information. So if we're incorrect, we will be removing that. As a solution to all of the tyranny that we're facing right now in Canada, we are saying Please get involved. Know who it is that you're electing. Get involved with an Action for Canada chapter. And moving forward, we've just had elections here in British Columbia for uh, municipal elections for school board trustees and mayors and city councils. And then uh, this following week is in Ontario, PEI, Manitoba, and up in the Yukon and Northwest Territories. 
we're going to be way well better situated going into the future, but this is a reason, these elections are a reason why we want to grow up the Action for Canada chapters and their memberships. We had 37 mayors that won by acclamation because nobody was running against them in BC. Those would have been seats that we could have won had we been um, as well prepared as what we're going to do in the future. So it just shows you we can move mountains, but we need to do that together. All right, on, uh, as well on the uh, menu of the Action for Canada under current issues, if you pop down to the bottom of it, it says political LGBTQ, and that is where you will find all of our information. I'm just going to update that page where it will um, provide you with the STOP SOGI 123 Notice of Liability, as well as the uh, SOGI 123 Flyer that is bringing a lot of um, information to the public on this issue in a brief flyer. There's been a lot of controversy over this flyer. Castanet and others are uh, reporting on it, and it was a hot item going into the elections. They thought, oh, you know, we've created this flyer in order to um, interfere with elections. We've had this flyer going for months. It's to help educate parents and Canadians before they go to the polls. Sure, this is important information that we all need to be aware of. Okay, so I'm going to stop sharing because, like I say, I want to get on to bringing our guests on. And uh, in a moment, first we'll bring Paul on. And he is, as I mentioned, uh, the lawyer for uh, Barry Newfelt. Paul has been in this fight for many, many years. And he is no stranger to on controversial cases involving corruption at the highest levels of government. Uh, Paul has been involved in the money laundering case in British Columbia for a, uh, uh, for a, a witness, uh, and the case involved, uh, as I mentioned in the action, the flow of hundreds of millions of dollars through the province's casinos, the real estate industry, and the drug trade, and the luxury car market. The facts involving Barry Neufeld's case are similar in as much as large sums of money are exchanging hands. It's just that this time it involves the government using taxpayer dollars to fund nefarious schemes that involve innocent children. And so, uh, Paul, I am so grateful that you've taken the time out of your very busy schedule to be here tonight with us. I want to um, hand the floor over to you and just tell us a little bit from your perspective as, as the lawyer in this case, your journey in the last few years and how you feel things went at the Supreme Court of Canada last week. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, <clears throat> My my role in this whole uh, affair really is is um, to uh, advance a defamation claim for Barry uh, in relation to a number of publications, which included some remarks from Glenn Hansman, uh, all of which started in uh, in the fall of 2017 after Barry uh, went public with his views about Soji and. Uh, the harm which, uh, in his view, uh, it could be inflicting on these kids at school. And, of course, any Canadian, any Canadian anywhere in the country has the right. We've got these fundamental freedoms of expression, thought, opinion, belief, uh, to speak out on these matters of public interest. And as, a, as an elected school board trustee, it's not just Barry's right to express concerns, but it's his duty as the voice of the parents out there in Chilliwack, who elect him, he's, he's uh, 
both exercising his fundamental freedoms as a Canadian and his statutory duty as the spokesperson for those parents whose kids are in the schools. So very solid uh, constitutional protection for Barry to speak out about Soji. Um, he was, as, as was quite predictable, targeted by what we've referred to as a smear campaign in, in which uh, Glenn Hansman was a, a principal participant and the usual uh, array of uh, defamatory imputations uh, was launched against Barry uh, throughout numerous publications covering a, a wide scope of, of different media, the internet, of course, including the instigation of some, some very, in, in my view, uh, frivolous uh, human rights complaints. Uh, those... Um, you know, um, carrying with them the, the stigmatization that comes with being named as a defendant in a human rights case for merely expressing one's views on this very controversial program. In any event, um, after almost five years since the instigation of those proceedings, neither CUP, there's two separate unions, both the BCTF and CUP have, um, have laid those complaints. Um, no hearing date has been set. Uh, neither union has found one union member that I'm aware of to uh, to say that they felt somehow threatened in the workplace as a result of Barry's views about Soji. It's, it seems to be rather patently absurd on the face of these complaints, but uh, the Human Rights Tribunal, some would argue that to be a bit of an oxymoron, um, has uh, placated the unions by not having uh, immediately dismissed these complaints. And here we are almost five years later without any uh, progress being made at all in that forum. But in any event, the unions and, and Glenn Hansman in particular used the instigation of those human rights complaints as a further means by which to uh, defame Barry in the media. And uh, um, over the course of about a year since Barry first spoke out about Soji, uh, there were uh, We've alleged in the, in the claim uh, 11 publications in which Mr. Hansman defamed Barry. And uh, so the case is really just it's a libel claim um, launched on the basis of those publications. And of course, um, Barry, having expressed the views he did and the concerns about the damage being done to the kids in the schools from Soji, uh, he was imputed with, among other things, committing hate speech, and these are very serious um, imputations. I mean, hate, hate speech is a criminal offense, inciting um, hatred or, or, or violence against an identifiable group. I mean, to, to impute that kind of thing to a uh, school board trustee is, is the most egregious type of libel. Um, regardless of his views on Soji, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, historically been completely unacceptable for those kinds of allegations to be uh, published. Um, what happened? Um, so various uh, defamation claims started in the fall of 2018. And about uh, six months later, uh, the BC government enacted this legislation. Uh, we call it anti-slap legislation. And it's uh, anti-slap is an acronym for strategic lawsuit against public participation. And the legislative intent behind it is to stop 
um, people who are um, wealthy and in a position of power to stop them from exploiting courts as a means by which to silence and punish critics. You know, they can instigate litigation and drag people through the courts. And just the consequences of that process can be very punitive and can have an effect on freedom of speech. So the whole purpose of the SLAP legislation is uh, to prevent an abusive process in the courts. Here, what you've got is the president of uh, one of the largest public sector unions, 45,000 some odd members, lined up with other large and powerful public sector unions, lined up with the government of BC itself, uh, a whole slew of um, special interest groups and and well-funded activists, all of whom are allied in an attempt to shut down any sort of debate about SOGI. And, and they do this by, by um, essentially by libeling those who speak out mm-hmm. about about Soji. So the whole the whole slap act is being turned on its head here. It's designed to protect people like Newfeld from being crushed in the courts. And when he starts an action against Hansman, they turn that whole scheme on on its head and prevent Barry from having a day in court. What happened was after the uh after Mr. Hansman filed his slap application, uh Barry's uh, libel case was dismissed. Uh, we then took it to appeal in the BC Court of Appeal. Three judges at that level set aside the earlier decision and reinstated Barry's claim. And then Mr. Hansman uh, applied to the Supreme Court of Canada, which in a rather surprising uh, move, uh, granted leave to appeal to Mr. Hansman. And that, that appeal was heard last week in Ottawa. Um, and the issue... The over, you know, the, the the issue here is simply whether Barry gets his day in court on a claim which everyone agrees is meritorious. There's no issue between the parties as to whether uh, um, Barry's claim is valid. It's just a question of whether um, Mr. Hansman can avoid a trial by way of this slap legislation. And the arguments that I tried to advance as best I could in Ottawa last week was that. Um, like I say, the whole slap thing has been turned on its head if it prevents Barry from having a day in court because the message message to the world would be, if, if Mr. Hansman succeeds in Ottawa, the message to the world would be that it's effectively open season for the powerful uh, parties in this, in this world to, to um, uh, punish and silence people who speak out in ways which are, uh, contradict uh, the dominant narrative. You know, uh, the whole purpose of the SLAP Act is to encourage people to participate in the public arena on these matters of controversy. But if Hansman was to succeed in Ottawa, he, it will be a dinner bell to the Hansmans of the world that all they have to do is libel people and scare them away from having any willingness to participate in these debates. Um, so the Court of Appeal recognized that if Hansman is able to use the SLAP Act against Barry, keep in mind the, the whole SLAP thing is designed to protect Davids against Goliaths. <laughs> so it's been turned on its head here. But if he's able to get away with that and avoid a trial, 
it, it will really deter people from speaking out on these matters of controversy because they will know that they can be absolutely destroyed at a personal level without the um, culprits behind that being held legal account, legally accountable. It'll have a chilling effect on freedom of debate in this country. So those are the themes that we sought to advance. Um, uh, we did so successfully at the Court of Appeal, and we hope that Ottawa will agree with uh, our position on this. But that, that's what happened in Ottawa last week. Yeah, you know, it was interesting with this anti-slap law because prior to COVID, we were dealing with issues where, uh, just as a fact, radical Islamists in Canada would use the uh, the courts as a means to silence their opposition, usually with a $2.2 million case saying, you know, exactly what you're saying is defamation. So they bring in anti-slap and using it in a situation to help a person like Glenn Hansman sort of makes it become irrelevant. And uh, as you say, I like how you said that, you know, it's it's for the uh, Davids, not the Goliaths. Uh, Glenn Hansman and, uh, you know, these individuals have a lot to lose should Barry win this case. And um, I think it's very, very important. But if the Supreme Court judges do not rule in Barry's favor at this point, then what is that saying about the qualifications of the three appeal court judges in BC? Well, I, I have the utmost respect for the appellate judges, not just because they went our way on this, but they they yeah. see they really they really had a good handle on the real issue here, which is um, which is the purpose of the SLAP Act was to protect free speech, and when the conduct of question the misconduct of Mr. Hansman and others, which is the libel. The intention of that misconduct was to silence Barry and mm -hmm. to squash any prospect of free speech on this issue. The last thing Hansman and, and some of his allies want to see is, is public scrutiny of, of this program. Mm -hmm. uh, it would seem if, if differences can't be addressed in a judicious and objective way in a court, raises the question of how the heck are these things to be addressed? And when, when someone who has different views from Mr. Hansen and others can be uh, vilified on the basis of, of uh, imputations such as, as committing hate speech, which is clearly right. defamatory, um, when that becomes permissible, which is what Mr. Hansman is asking the courts to do, is essentially endure, uh, protect him from legal consequences, if that becomes permissible, um, God only knows what's going to happen to the public arena, which is the place where these kinds of differences are supposed to be aired. So really exactly. what's at stake here is whether we're going to continue with an effective public arena in which matters of controversy can be debated in, in society. That's really well, what's at stake in my I, view. I I agree, right? And the name calling has been used by Trudeau and those uh, and others. I received um, an invitation from a fellow by the name of Jonathan with CBC News in Ontario because they're going into an election and they wanted a comment from Action for Canada. In it, he sort of baits me by saying that there are some people who would say that Action for Canada is homophobic or transphobic. And to me, people suggesting Action for Canada or anybody is homophobic or transphobic is redundant and it's only meant to, meant to subvert from the real issue. 
and the name calling is used to shut down opposition by those who lack the either the intellectual fortitude and honesty to admit the obvious. And in this case, it would be that this agenda is harming children and dividing families. And, and so the, the beauty of it is right now is what's happening Canada wide is as much as they're trying to avoid public scrutiny, so many families are now being affected and Barry was right. There is evidence, a growing, growing evidence that uh, children are actually now coming out of the system at the age of 21, having been indoctrinated at 14 years old by Soji and uh, confused. I talked to a gal for an hour and 40 minutes today. She's going to be our guest next week. And she's giving her firsthand testimony how, you know, she's gone into surgery, had her breasts removed, and how she was absolutely 100% indoctrinated in, in the schools. And so they're not going to be able to avoid this controversy because it's coming and we're going to shut it down. And thank goodness for Barry being on the front line. Um, the other situation that I'm facing right now is it's just come to my attention. I haven't received the actual uh, notice in the mail, but School District 23 in Kelowna, who have been, you know, very vocal in the uh, media about Soji being safe and inclusive, and my question is in, in our threads as to who, who is it safe and inclusive for? Because it certainly wasn't inclusive and safe for this young woman. Actually, they've all turned their back on her once she decided and actually woke up to what was happening. Um, it's not safe and inclusive for the young man in Prince George who is being committed, um, charged with a hate crime, a teenage boy, because he defended a girl because a so-called trans boy was peeking under the bathroom stall at her seven times, and the principal refused uh, to, you know, uh, support her and help her. She's being sexually abused in the school bathroom, and she's got no ad adults advocating for her. And so they've got a lot to lose right now. And, and those individuals, those interveners, are receiving millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, you know, with all of this fraud and this conspiracy against our children. That's how I see it. <laughs> well, I, I've done my best to avoid being dragged onto the whole debate about the gender ideology in the schools and the merits of the SOGI program, uh, simply because uh, uh, the real issue is one of of permitting um, free speech to to exist on school boards and within the mm -hmm. community on this very important matter of public interest. And a uh, point I tried to make with the court last week in Ottawa was, um, you know, Barry's, you, you as a judge may, may feel that Barry is completely wrong and that he didn't express himself well and that, and that there's great, uh, great benefits to doing what Hansman and others want to do with the kids. Uh, but that's immaterial to the question of whether Barry gets his day in court. Right, and we can see no, no. Um, you know, we can see we can see hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent by these interveners and and uh, the unions to to prevent a day in court. Which one must ask? I mean, look, if you're if you're confident in your views, you would look at court as an opportunity to air them and to be a platform and to punish Barry. Mm -hmm. For, for what Hansman imputes to him. You wouldn't be running away from the opportunity for judicial scrutiny if you're confident in your position, in my view. Right. 
don't you feel that the whole situation, which should be, as you were saying, the focus right now is on this is a case of defamation and the whole yeah. thing is being politicized um, on behalf of the, uh, to me, a radical political LGBTQ agenda to stand and hold their position on an issue that is irrelevant to why Barry is before the courts right now. Trinzi, would you actually bring Barry on as well? Sure thing. Let's bring you into the conversation, Barry. You've, you've been sitting there in the background and uh, patiently waiting your moment. Uh, you know, this, this, we're all here today because of you. I'm very grateful to you. I'm very grateful that you took that stand and uh, you didn't deserve the uh, backlash, you know, that you received. I believe that you brought up a, a real concern about a resource that was put throughout the school curriculum. It can't be... The parents can't remove their children from this. Uh, you saw, saw some signs within it that could have uh, some grooming tendencies in it, and there should have been the opportunity for a reasonable review and conversation of this material. But, but you were not even permitted uh, to even open up the conversation. You were shut down immediately. Is that correct? That's correct. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I spent a whole career working with special needs kids. And um, unlike a lot of social conservatives, I went on the offensive here. Quite often social conservatives are, um, they're being persecuted and, and they're trying to defend themselves. I went on the offensive and here's why. Glenn Hansman said that Barry Newfelt should not be around children. And that was the insult that pushed me over the edge and I started to raise money and I contacted Paul and we expected to have a defamation trial in Chilliwack's Supreme Court. And we were actually planning on having a jury trial. I figured I'd have a better chance with uh, eight of my peers on the jury instead of a judge alone in Vancouver. But all of a sudden, to our surprise, Glenn Hansman uh, throws in this anti-slap um, legal legal process. You know what I think? I think he's really scared. I think he knows that he'll get convicted of uh, slander and defamation. And he doesn't want that to happen because he want in his first, um, in the first court case, he even admitted that what he said could be defamatory. But he argued that as president of a 45,000 member union, he has a right to do that because he has a right to protect uh, a disadvantaged class. And um, of course, it was a brand new judge, had just been appointed by Justin Trudeau, and, and he went along with Glenn, and that was a real setback for us. Then we went to the Court of Appeal with three very experienced judges, and they cut through all the side issues, and they said that this is a chilling day for free speech. Not just free mm -hmm. speech for Barry Newfeld but free speech for other people of like minds. And I know there are teachers in the system. Some of them are Christians. Some of them are even gay and lesbian who don't like this SOGI 1, right. 2, 3 program. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, independent schools. Uh, if anybody agrees with Barry Newfeld, then Glenn Hansman says they shouldn't be around children. So we... We were preparing to go back to square one and do our defamation trial. 
Well, Hansman spent more money to go to all the way to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And I was physically present in the courtroom. There was only four of us uh, in the gallery. Um, and uh, I sat through Hansman's lawyer's arguments and I was behind them. So the acoustics in that room weren't that good. But uh, I watched it again on, uh, it's recorded live. You can, there's a link on the Supreme Court website where you can watch it. It's and on our homepage. Were, it's on our homepage as well, Barry, for people to easily the arguments access were it. boring and would put you to sleep. And um, after I walked out of the physical courtroom, you know, I wasn't sure really what to think because when, my lawyer was speaking. I was sitting behind him. I couldn't see his face. I couldn't hear exactly everything that he said. But I, when I watched it live, man, Paul, you kicked butt. <laughs> <laughs> you were passionate. You kept bringing it back to the main issue. And I know those judges, the seven of them that were there, they would love to sit in judgment over a, this defamation case. And they kept trying to draw you off into the transgender argument. And Oh, you don't even believe that transgender people exist, and on and on, and uh, and what about the uh, about the uh, test for whether this is a, um, a reasonable uh, free speech? But um, there, they have to focus on what the purpose of the Supreme Court hearing was, and the focus is: Does Barry Newfelt deserve his day in court? And I do. And can, Glenn can Hansman I, can, knows he's already shot himself in the foot and admitted that he mm-hmm. defamed me. And that's why he was so desperate and brought all 12 of his boring buddies into uh, into court. Well, they weren't in the court. They were on video cameras. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were blathering on about transgender ideology. That's not the issue. The issue no. is, does Glenn Hansman have a right to try and shut me up by defaming me? Mm-hmm. Um the funny part of it was, and even all the Supreme Court judges noticed it, was that, well, Mr. Hansman may have tried to shut Barry Newfeld up, but he didn't succeed. Barry Newfeld kept spouting off. <laughs> and I'm not going to quit spouting off. Uh, this is wrong. This is dangerous to our kids. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, there are some, a few children that really have difficulty with their body image, and they, they really are uncomfortable in their bodies but they're a very, very insignificant percentage, maybe half of 1%. But this Soji 123 is confusing many, many more kids. And I don't believe they're really transgender. They're really confused. And oh, I think they're, they're manu- manufacturing them, Barry. I think they're manufacturing, uh, you know, the uh, gender dysphoric kids in order to uh, fast track them into, you know, receiving the hormone replacements and medical treatments. There's, there's a huge hundreds of millions, if not billion dollar business behind this. And I don't think it's all about money. I think part of it as well is that, um, you know, in, in what I'm assessing here is that it is homosexual individuals or trans individuals behind this agenda. And I would say, that they may have unresolved childhood issues that they're trying to make, uh, you know, the problem of everybody in this nation. And I just don't think that's fair or healthy. I think it's a danger to our kids. And you had just said it. 
in in the school systems, it would be so insignificant, the kids that would have normally struggled from transgenderism, I would say 0% in primary school, and if any, in the um, intermediate or high school courses, classes, um, age range group. But now, because of this indoctrination system called SOGI123, kids are being introduced to something that they would have never, ever even considered previously. Yes. Um, I retired from uh, my government job working with at-risk kids. And many of my uh, clients I've, were uh, sexually abused. Most right. of them were foster children. By 2008, I had never heard a kid who questioned their gender. And uh, I went back to uh, get my master's degree. But 2008 is a significant date because that's that's the year the iPhones came out. Um, Most of my foster children clients did not even have access to the Internet because their foster parents wouldn't allow them to use the computers that were available at the time. But when the iPhone came out, Increasingly, more and more teenagers had access to iPhones, and they this idea began to circulate on Tumblr and uh, other uh, social media platforms, and it began to be a fad. And then um, I first learned about the SOGI 123 program after it had been already implemented for a year. I'm a publicly elected school trustee. The school... Act gives me the authority to approve learning resources, but they snuck this one in without any involvement of elected officials. It was just activists. Or parents. Or parents. It was activists at UBC, uh, one principal from the Delta School District, and the Art Foundation. And they they snuck this in. Matt Carruthers, the uh, Delta uh, elementary mm-hmm. school principal uh, came to explain it to us, and he admitted it's not primarily an anti-bullying program. But the public mm-hmm. got the idea that this was created so that gay and transgender kids wouldn't be bullied. That wasn't the purpose of it. The purpose mm-hmm. of it was to expand the gender ideology to the whole student body. And that, mm-hmm. to me, is wrong. It's not scientific. It doesn't meet common sense. And... Uh, They've tried to paint me as a religious bigot. Um, it's only recently well, that I've yeah. There's only recently there, that I found some Christians that have actually given this much thought. Well, there's a lot of non-Christians that are behind us on this very, uh, as you mentioned, there's a lot of people in the gay and lesbian community. I've had a lot of them uh, reach out to me, thank me very much for what it is we're doing and speaking these, what would be hard truths, but they're necessary ones. Um, This is a vile attack against our children. It's a vile attack against parental right. Uh, They're driving it with uh, fear on every aspect of it. Uh, You know, they drove uh, the COVID agenda based on fear, and and they have been doing this with the uh, same agenda to control the masses. If you don't support your child with your gender dysphoria, you know, your child would commit suicide. That wasn't good enough for them. So they passed Bill C-4 in January that said now to a parent, if you actually don't support this gender dysphoria and take them to a gender dysphoria clinic, you could spend as if as a parent, literally, it says you'll spend five years in jail. And, you know, the fact that child services can come and take over your children 
we're asking the good question is where is child services and all of this and they're they're equally as being funded you know by the government to support this uh radical ideology and so at some point we've got to courageously come to the front we've drawn the line in the sand and we've said no no more and we're calling it what it is uh, and it is an attack against our kids now Paul, I want to respect your time because I know you had said 20 minutes. <laughs> so did you want to hang in there? We're going to be, um, six o'clock is when we're going to be wrapping it up tonight. But are, are you okay to hang out with us for a little bit yeah, longer? Yeah, I'm fine, Tanya. I'm, I'm okay till six. Okay, sure. so uh, Terenzio, I don't know if anybody wants to raise their hands and ask any questions. It would be very specific to this topic, and it would be uh, we would request that you'd actually ask a very specific question, and uh, because some people like to give a long explanation, and because the time is short, we're going to ask for those questions to be quick tonight. So, Terenzio, to start, do we have any hands raised? Yeah, uh, just uh, we have a couple that are starting to come up. And for those who do want to ask a question, just a little friendly reminder, you want to go down to the bottom of your Zoom and uh, raise your hand virtually, and then we will put you up into queue. I think we did a few more minutes, Tanya. I'm not sure if there's anything in the in the chat that you'd like to start with. Yeah, I, I could say one, one question that was asked is, uh, how do we answer or what answer... Uh, to moms who think SOGI is a good program because it teaches our children to be open-minded and tolerant. And there's a difference between being uh, tolerant and what this program is about. One of my questions is, uh, you know, when we when we think about the special privilege that was given when they amended the Human Rights Code, it was done very intentionally. Why would they amend the Human Rights Code to include gender expression and gender identity basically as a protected class? So they did that in July of uh, 2016, and then in September 2016, uh, they had a pilot uh, of uh, SOGI 123 in nine pilot schools, and in 2017 opened up the doors wide to all schools. And just trying to get out there and feel, you know, how much backlash I guess there would be. And by mid-2017, early spring, is when many of us were beginning to discover what had been done in the schools. We've got a lot of hurting kids going to school. We've got kids growing up in families. They're, they're coming to school with bruises in the morning. They're coming to school without food. So why is it that the LGBTQ, this 0.01% of the population in, in the schools, need to have special privilege? Why is the whole world being turned upside down for even if it was 3% of the population? One in four women are sexually abused. What about all the special privilege for, for those women? What about the kids that are struggling with anorexia and bulimia? If we were to bring a program in to have tolerance and understanding towards kids with anorexia, bulimia, by introducing this to our children and asking them to limit their diet or to binge and overeat and then throw up, what would we be saying what would we be saying if we had parades and we were encouraging our kids to do this? Would we say you're completely insane? Well, how much more is it that we're teaching kids they can be a boy, girl, neither, and anything in between? How can we tolerate this? This is unscientific. How is this loving? When is lying to our kids okay? When is confusing them? Kids six years old are coming home traumatized and uh, depressed, unsure of who they are. Why are we tolerating this? It's not loving. This, there's nothing loving about SOGI 123. Um, Barry, do you have any, any other reply to that? Well, 
um, I think BC is probably the most left wing on this uh, issue than any other place in the world, with maybe the exception of Ontario. All around the world, the pendulum is swinging back. Sweden mm -hmm. has finally now made a rule that no children will be given puberty blockers or hormones until they're 18 years old. And that has tremendous policy implications. What they're saying now is that when these kids have these uncomfortable feelings, they need to, the therapist needs to explore what's going on in their life and what's causing this distress. It might be something else. They may be victims of sexual abuse. They may be, uh, uh, have an obsessive compulsive disorder. They may have mm -hmm. um, addiction issues. Finland has gone, gone the same way. England has gone the same way. They shut down the Tavistock Clinic in, yeah. in England and they put a stop to the, the, the affirmation only um, approach of the uh, therapist there. And yesterday I heard that Spain um, was trying to put in a law to push through gender identity and there was a big backlash from their psychiatrists. Uh, Texas now no longer allows transition of children. Uh, Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee quit their gender program. Boston, Boston Children's Hospital had stopped it. Why is everybody else throwing up a red flag and putting on the pause button and the brakes? And BC is still rushing headlong into this. Um, mm -hmm. We're behind the times. Um, we just elected in Chilliwack what they call the progressive board. They're not progressive. They're behind the times. Well, you know what? On that, Barry, and uh, for those of you who have children that may be viewing, I'd suggest you turn your camera off for a moment. But I'm going to show you. There's a gal by the name of Karen Bonder in Chilliwack that got reelected. She got reelected in 2018, and she was in one of our previous actions where we were showing she did a sort of a mockery of the uh, Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. Yep, Barry? She was first elected a year and a half ago in a by-election. Right, the by-election, right, that's and correct. And recently, uh, she topped the polls. Well, so they say. You know, I'm just so suspicious of, of what's gone on there. But I'm going to show a couple of images. It's not the wrecking ball one, but but this is, this is Karen Bonder. People are aware of this. They're aware of who she is. Um, just get it straight on my camera here. Okay, this is this lady. This is the individual. This is Karen Bonder when she was uh, on, on the streets a couple of weeks ago. There's her sign, running for school board trustee. Okay, facts not, I'm not even going to say what that says. It's foul. So Barry Newfeld is considered a threat to students. Uh, there she is. There's, thank you, uh, Terenzio, for bringing that up. But this individual is not. And, you know, what she does in her private life, but, I mean, she's very open about it. She's very proud of what it is that she's doing. But she doesn't want to be criticized um, in any manner as well. And, and she's flaunting it, but then she wants to be immune from any criticism and having access to children. And, and so they have this double standard, and then they all, all of a sudden want to throw it out that um, if you mention that this is a concern to have an individual like this around our children, then they want to say, well, that's defamatory. Um, you know, they're very delicate on the one sense, but they're very vicious on the other. 
And I just don't understand the mentality of, of this leftist ideology, this uh, radical ideology that's attacking children and attacking parents and attacking incredible kind individuals like yourself, Barry, and then they want to be immune from any criticism. It's pretty insane, if you ask me. So, but that's the lady that apparently got elected. Now, Barry told me something earlier today, and you know I've been on you guys. Like, th this is happening because people were silent, silent for a very long time. Even with COVID, I say COVID wasn't our problem, pre-COVID was. Because when they were passing Bill 16, C-16, uh, when the government was uh, putting a noose around your neck and slowly tightening it with every bit of legislation that went, you still like Justin Trudeau's hair and you voted for him again. I mean, you're not going to vote for him again, but you maybe voted for him twice. And then you're voting in people into office and you're not taking the time to find out who they are and where they stand on these critical issues. This is on you. This is on all of us. This has been happening. I've been in this fight for seven years trying to bring awareness, but now you're aware. We're in World War III in this country, and we need everybody on board. We have an amazing chapter in Chilliwack, incredible people. And Barry told me earlier today that they had the voted, lowest voting turnout. As I mentioned, we've got 37 mayors that won because nobody was running against them. What are, what are we going to expect in four years when we run candidates again? Are we, are we going to take a lesson from this and be ready? Because Barry should have got elected again. He's the man that we needed overseeing kids. Action for Canada is working very hard. You saw the orientation that uh, Sheila, uh, sorry, Heather had prepared, that we're working with pastors across Canada and we're trying to prepare homeschool groups. We've got a parent group that's developing. We're going to be launching that and having meetings with parents every week. We've got tremendous resources to uh, fight back against this. And we are the majority we are the majority. There's millions of Canadians, you know, that aren't in support of this, but that's the silent majority. But Action for Canada has this, uh, this um, active, very active minority within the majority, and we're tipping that scale. We're fighting back against this SOGI, and we have the government and the media and the unions and the ARC Foundation responding to us because they don't have the law on their side, and they are sexualizing our children, they're abusing our children through this system, and we're standing on the front line. Can you imagine if we had a million Canadians that were ready to get out and vote in these elections? Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox for a moment. <laughs> and uh, Terenzio, I think we have some hands up, so if yes, you could please bring them on. Hopefully right. the volume's working. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. So the first uh, first one we have is Genevieve. Genevieve. Uh, thank you. I, my question is, why is it or how do you think it is that Christians do not get behind this? That's to Mr. Newfeld. Well, my opinion is that uh, Christians have got this idea in North America that it, to be a good, if you're a good Christian, you're going to be happy all the time and you're going to be prosperous and uh, you won't have any problems. They're not willing to take up their cross. As Jordan Peterson says, and I quote him directly, take up your damn cross and stumble up the hill. They don't seem to think that's the Christian life. The other thing is they think they're, they're being loving to people who are suffering. Well, you know, if, if an anorexic person is suffering, 
um, you don't pat them on the back and say, here, here, uh, you know, I'll give you some diet pills and, you know, you don't have to eat as much. Um, sometimes the loving thing is saying something very uh, challenging to a person who's struggling mm -hmm. with a with a problem. Uh, if, if an alcoholic is suffering um, because they can't find any booze, you don't hand them a case of beer. Uh, mm -hmm. You tell them to, you know, buckle up and, and do without, give them a cup of coffee instead. That's right, you don't, but how do we get to the Christian to realize what you just said? Well, I don't think the church has suffered very much in Canada and North America, but I think we're headed into it now. And maybe that will smarten them up. But uh, th there's not very many Christians that I know of who have very much backbone. Yeah, and I, you know, on that Barry as well, I want I do want to encourage people. There are a whole lot more Christians than there were three years ago speaking up, and I'm really pleased. And uh, a lot, almost the majority of people with Action for Canada. I won't tell you how many, you know, members we have, but I'll tell you, it's a lot. <laughs> and uh, quite a majority of them are Christians, and they are getting actively involved. But with the millions of Christians in Canada, I mean, we could tip the scales of any election if they did. So we're working on that, Genevieve. Uh, the other other thing is, a beautiful thing is, is we're also working out and reaching out to the pastors and holding them to account. Sarah, when I spoke to her today, the incredible part of this was, is that her parents continued to love on her and bring her to church through all of this. And one day, things never felt right to her. But one day, the pastor was talking about all of the transgenderism and homosexuality. And he said, this is an, an abomination unto the Lord. That's biblical. And she, the whole world began to spin for her. And her father saw what was going on and brought her into another room. And he said, what's going on? And, and she all of a sudden started to realize in that moment that she had made a mistake. And this only happened a matter of months ago. And she's been detransitioning. And so I think this is a spiritual war against good and evil. And I think it's for the hearts and minds and the souls of our children. And we're going to continue that bat this battle. And okay, Terenzio, the next question, please. Next one we have is from Connie. Hi, Connie. Can you unmute? Sometimes we have a little bit of a problem with that. Yep, there you are. Can you, is your mic working? Yeah, I think so. Can you hear me? Yes. Sure can. Okay. What's, your, what's your question? I wanted to know if there's a lot of hope um, to reverse uh, some of those laws that they put into place that restricts people from um, uh, doing the right thing for kids. That's it. Paul, do you want to take that one? <laughs> uh, I'm not totally sure what laws are being referred to in the question. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, there's the program of SOGI, which Barry and very few others have had the strength to openly challenge. Um, um, you know, the law that we rely on is, is the Charter of Rights, which guarantees people with freedom, thought, opinion, belief, expression, religion, peaceful assembly, and a few others, which is supposed to be the paramount uh we're supposed to have paramountcy. Any any laws that are inconsistent with it theoretically are of no force and effect. Mm -hmm. um, I, I argue that any attempt to shut 
down Barry um, is it's not just unconstitutional, but the use of the SLAP Act to prevent him effectively from expressing his concerns. And, and let, let me back up a, a little bit. Um, defamation law exists for protecting people like Barry, which, because people who defame him can be held accountable. And without Barry's capacity to vindicate his reputation, um, you know, if, if the defamation law is applied selectively and only in favor of those who advance ideologies that are in favor with governments who appoint judges and therefore the courts become a political institution, they lose their independence and impartiality. In other words, the rule of law no longer applies. That's a horrific scenario. That's something mm-hmm. we all have to fight against. And so Barry's case is much, much bigger than Soji, as important as it is to, yes. to rein that program in, uh, in the minds of many. Um, it's, it's, it's to the, the core, the cornerstone of any free and democratic society is freedom of expression. And defamation law plays a very important role in protecting that. And if people like Barry don't get their day in court, that's a horrific thing. It'll discourage people from participating publicly, and it'll be a, a declaration of open season to the Glenn Hansmans of the world who can use their power to punish and silence critics. And so that's, the, that's, that's where I see the importance of the, these efforts. Um, and uh, I don't know if that addresses the concerns raised by the question, but that's the law in, in the global sense that we're really dealing with here. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I agree, like the Constitution is the supreme law of Canada. Anything that is in violation of it is of no force or effect. Um, there's parental rights. Those are 100% guaranteed. And with COVID, the government has tried to flaunt authority they didn't have. And there's the same rule applied here. The government does not have the authority to take away your parental rights. They're trying to convince you that they do. I don't care what legislation they pass, what full laws they, they you know, want to uh, put before you. But even the amendment to the Human Rights Code, it is in violation of the Constitution. So it's of no force or effect. You can't tell me that gender identity and gender expression, um, that there's a law that I have to comply and use pronouns uh, that I don't agree with. I, I am not going to support somebody's delusions and dysfunction. I can't be forced to do that. Uh, that's unhealthy for them, and, and it's certainly in violation of my rights. It'd be unhealthy for me. And so there are very certain things that um, I always say knowledge is power, and these are things that Action for Canada is, is trying to get you well-versed on so that you can stand in those truths. You know what, before you go, Paul, uh, somebody had asked one more question. They said, um, were you able to discern an attitude or get a feel from the bench at the Supreme Court hearing in any manner as to their take on this? I know the outcome can be up to six months. I think we could wait as well, right? But did you get any feel for the court? I know they were trying to sidetrack you and make this about the trans lobby group, uh, but you kept bringing it back on track about this being about uh, the defamation and the freedom of speech. Well, I, I don't want to I want to infer too much from what some of the questions were from the judges. Uh, uh, on the on the face of things, a couple of judges seem to want to uh, sort of um, focus on the underlying debate, you know. And it was my mm-hmm. I used my best efforts to say that that it's quite immaterial to the real issue before the court. 
Um, you know, judges bring with them to their, to the bench, their own views and values. And, and, uh, you know, the challenge for judges is to resist allowing those to affect the outcome of any given case. Otherwise the courts become political. And, uh, my argument was that you, you can't use the SLAP Act as an invitation to judges to dismiss cases based on their own views of things. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, that's entirely contrary to the rule of law and, and a number of other fundamental principles. Um, you just can't do that. And so whatever feeling I got from the judges um, as to any sort of predisposition, I I uh, did my best to... Uh, mm-hmm sort of put them back on the rails a bit. Um, you know, I, I think that they gave us a good listen and I, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I still have faith in our courts and I, I'm quite hopeful they'll um, do the right thing in my view, which is simply give mm-hmm. Barry a day in court. And another point I made, you know, we had, we were up against a whole slew of uh, very well-funded special interest groups, along with the Attorney General of BC, the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal, uh, the BC Government Employees Union, and a number of very, very powerful interveners, all of whom were siding with Glenn Hansman. And and the point I tried to make was the, the social justice objectives of all of these people mm-hmm. aren't compromised at all by giving Barry his day in court. And in fact, one would argue they could be advanced once once we take a deep dive into the evidence and 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 we have a full full trial. So so um that was a point I made, and uh, um, we'll see where it goes. But I, I, uh, I remain cautiously optimistic. I still have some faith mm-hmm. in the courts. We'll see where. Well, it goes. you did a, yeah, you did a great job before the BC appeals court, and uh, that was very evident. I've really, quite truly, I've been shocked to see that Glenn Hansman, he was being charged as um, this the case that Barry brought against him was as an individual citizen having made defamatory, defamatory remarks against Barry. And it sh- that's the way that this case should have remained, not as him as uh, some special interest being some part of some big conglomerate, right, that he could flaunt that kind of power around him. This is, should have been between Barry and Glenn, did Glenn make defamatory comments of, against Barry? The facts of it were yes. And I was shocked to see that, uh, that this had gone to the Supreme Court and mm. uh, the ability for them to, to rally these individuals around him. So, uh, Paul, thank you so much. I know there's a lot of other questions. We could be here for another half hour. That's the way it goes on the Empower Hour. I love, Mm -hmm. this is one of the only shows where people actually get to interact with the guests, and I think that's important. I'm going to hang back for a few minutes after our guests leave. And uh, so thank you. Barry, do you have um, anything that you'd like to add before? I know you have an appointment to get to as well. Yes. You know, one of my inspirations was a, a forerunner. Uh, Dr. Steve Terlucas, a dentist in Hamilton, took the Hamilton-Wentworth School District to court for a similar issue. And uh, he got as far as the Ontario Court of Appeal and he lost. And one of the things he said was that uh, the indifference of Christian churches is perhaps more of a threat to freedom than the secular humanists that surround us. 
But one thing he didn't have that I've had, uh, I've had been blessed to have the support of Tanya Gaw and Action for Canada. And I must say that individual people have been very generous. Um, the the, the fundraising, fundraising has been coming in uh, enough mm-hmm. that I can keep um, my faithful lawyer um, uh, interested and on track. And uh, like I said, it was his passion, it was his body language in the Supreme Court that will be the blessing and hopefully lead to a victory. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for that, uh, Barry, as well. Thank you to both. Uh, Sheila, would you please also put Barry's fundraising information into the chat? Uh, We as Canadians, we're not on the front line, a lot of us. Uh, you got to think about this with Barry. He could be living in Mexico right now on a, an, on a lengthy vacation. He could be doing all sorts of other things, but in his own mind, because he's a man of, of high integrity, there's just no way he could step away from this. So he decided to move forward. And, uh, with that comes, you know, some very high prices to pay both, uh, personally and financially. So would you please, uh, make a point, even if it's $10, $20, if we all just give a little bit, we can help these cases for these people who are on the front line. This is precedent setting. This is history making. So please support Barry. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much to you both. We, we look forward to uh, hearing a big win in the future. And as I said the day of court out there, if uh, the judges don't rule rightly on this, we're going to rise up stronger than ever and we're going to continue to rise up against this uh, atrocity and this attack against our kids. So thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for having us. Woo. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple of the uh, questions as well. I know there's uh, some comments regarding Soji. For those of you who haven't been with Action for Canada for a while, as I had mentioned on our homepage, you can easily access the uh, political LGBTQ page where at the top of it we have the Soji123 Comprehensive sexual education uh, is how the UN refers to this. Uh, this agenda is c- considered a resource, but they have it intertwined into the curriculum in, in the school system so that you can't pull your kids out of it. It could be in PE. They could be doing team building like they did with my daughter when she was in school, where they lay the boys and girls down on the floor in grade eight, and then they tell them to start from one end to the other and roll their way over top of each other. My, my daughter came home actually feeling violated, horrified. She didn't do the act, but you can imagine how this is grooming children. They can't tell me that it isn't. And so it's to get the pornographic books out of the schools and then as well the drag queens. Uh, you know what? What these, uh, these are, like I said earlier, adult sexual proclivities and fetishes that they're trying to bring into the classroom and into our libraries. And uh, we got to protect our kids. We have a duty in this country that if they, we know that harm is happening to our children, we have a duty to stand up and get very loud about this. We need to get the RCMP involved and the local police. Investigations need to take place. So please get yourself well-versed on the uh, notice of liability. We've got a lot of new school boards, uh, trustees now in British Columbia in going to be in on Ontario, what did I say, Manitoba PEI, 
we need to start start serving the notices of liability again. All of the school board trustees uh, need to know where we stand on this issue, and they're going to be held liable if they don't educate themselves and understand the harm that's being done to our kids. I lose sleep over this, my friends. I shed tears over this. Uh, when I was in Ottawa, when I was all finished speaking, after every single event, a mom came up to me and she shared, uh, she ended up a widow and she's got a 15 year old daughter who struggles with autism. And her daughter has been indoctrinated in Ontario into this radical ideology to question her identity. And she now wants to bind her breasts. It doesn't matter where I go. This is, uh, this is the pandemic in, uh, Canada right now, and my heart is breaking. So with that, Terenzio, do you have uh, the invite for next week, Sarah's invitation that we could pop up right now? So this is Sarah, this beautiful gal. Uh, she will be our guest next week. I really recommend you uh, to register in advance for this. Please, if you know any other parents that are sitting on the fence think, thinking that this is an anti-bullying program and that we just got to love the LGBTQ community because they're, uh, you know, just a, such a misunderstood community and being discriminated against, which is so much baloney, even the gay and lesbian community. Okay, that's enough then, uh, Trenzio, thanks. I, I just have to put it out there. How does anybody succeed in life if they are consistently and constantly made a victim, right? We need to teach these people that they're the same as everybody else and that if they do have some troubles, if they do have dysphoria, they need a counselor. They need psychological help. And uh, we can't let Justin Trudeau come in and pass a bill that tells parents that uh, they could spend five years in jail if they don't agree with this garbage. All right, these are your kids. You have a right to fight for your child, and we want to help you do that. And so we need to unite. We need you to help us do this and to get this message out. So please invite people to come to the show next week to listen to this young, young woman's testimony. Um, she as well went so far as to have the top surgery done. She's raising some funds, and I think she's pretty much done that at this point, but she needs some other things done as well. So we're going to help promote raising funds for her as well. So you know what? Like I said, there's a lot of Canadians in Canada that are hurting. There's a lot of people that if we each just gave $10, we can at each time we we're, you know, putting promoting something out there to raise funds. We can each help and we can make a difference as an organization called Action for Canada and you as our members. So anyways, on that, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us tonight and to say God bless you and God bless Canada.
people who are actually going to care for one another again and love on each other and give each other the help when they're down. We are going to use the, the uh, teams and the people that build within chapters to support our businesses. The government's actions are completely 100% unlawful. Judgment will again be found on justice and those with virtuous hearts will pursue it. You have a virtuous heart if you are here today pursuing freedom and righteousness. And then verse 23 comes along with a promise. God says he will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. I take great comfort in that. Because I serve a mighty living God who has allowed us to go through this season of discomfort because we as a nation have turned our backs on him and we need to get right. So I am just going to thank you so much. I'm going to say God bless.